Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 13th of September 2015, entitled Building a Hedge. And the Bible readings are taken from Job chapter 1 verses 6 to 12 and Matthew chapter 21 verses 33 to 46. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. If you'd like to turn to Job chapter 1 verses 6 through 12. And then if you'd like to go ahead and find Matthew chapter 21, Matthew chapter 21 will be reading verses 33 through 46. Keeping your finger in Matthew, we'll read from Job first. I invite you to stand to honor the reading of God's most precious and holy word, beginning with Job chapter 1 and verse 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. The Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in all the earth? a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast not thou made an hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. But put put forth thine hand now, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. The Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. We'll be bringing our attention back there in just a moment, but I'd like you to turn to a The passage in Matthew chapter 21, begin reading at verse 33, the Lord Jesus Christ himself was sharing a parable, and he tells us exactly what the purpose of this parable is. He says, hear another parable. There was a certain householder which planted a vineyard and hedged it round about and digged a wine press in it and built a tower And let it out to husbandmen and went into a far country. When the time of the fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the husbandmen that they might receive the fruits of it. And the husbandmen took his servants and beat one and killed another and stoned another. Again, he sent other servants more than the first and they did unto them likewise. But last of all, he sent unto them his son, saying, They will reverence my son. But when the husbandmen saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and let us seize on his inheritance. They caught him and cast him out of the vineyard and slew him. The Lord, therefore, of the vineyard cometh. What will he do unto those husbandmen? They said unto him, He will miserably destroy those wicked men and let out his vineyard unto other husbandmen, which shall 
render him the fruits in their servant seasons. Jesus saith unto them, Did you never read in the Scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected, the same is become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore say I unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken, but on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. When the chief priests and Pharisees had heard his parables, they perceived that he spake of them. But when they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitude because they took him for a prophet. Father, we thank you today for the privilege of looking once again into your word. Thank you for the time that we have. Lord, we realize so very, very well. Lord, there is nothing that anyone, including this preacher, can say here today Lord, that can reach to the soul, to the heart of man and have the effect that only you can have. Lord, by the power of your spirit, you take your word and speak to hearts today. You know every individual that is here this morning. You know each and every one that will ever hear this sermon. And Father, we pray, Lord, that you would speak to each one individually that which they need to hear, that each one would have the strength and the courage to respond whatever way is needed, we will give you all the praise and honor and glory, for it's in Jesus Christ's name alone that we pray, amen and amen. Our thought this morning is building a hedge, building a hedge. We find that in our reading in the book of Job, we find that the story accounts here a a meeting and a conversation that was taking place between God and Satan. Satan had been, he said of himself, that he had been going to and fro in the earth and walking up and down in it. Where God's people were, I have news for you today. Satan is still walking up and down and to and fro in the earth. The Bible tells us in the New Testament, seeking whom he may devour. That's his purpose. He has no good in his heart whatsoever. He has no desire for anything good for you. It is easy for us to forget sometimes. Our enemy is real. He is powerful, and he is out there. But at the same time that we recognize him, we also must recognize that we need not fear him. He is our enemy. He wants to destroy us, but we have the protection that we need. We have everything in our artillery that is required to be able to not only just beat him off, but to have victory over our enemy. Here he'd been out there walking up to and fro in the earth, and God asked him, you know, well, in, in all your walking abouts out there, did you ever, did you ever come across and consider my servant Job. Well, Satan knew exactly who Job was, just as he knows who each and every one of us are today. And Satan asked him, said, well, does Job really fear the God for nothing? <laughs> Lord, you 
have made a hedge about him, Job. You've built a hedge about Job and about his house and about all that he has on every side. You have put a hedge up around this man and all that belongs to him. But I promise you something, Lord. If you put forth your hand and take that hedge away, he'll curse you then when things start going bad. But the Lord told him, he said, okay, I'm going to remove the hedge from everything that Job has, but you still can't touch Job himself. There's so many lessons that we could learn from this, but first of all, it's a very, very simple lesson. And I don't want it to oversimplify it because I know that many of you here today have been Christians for a long time. Many of you maybe not so long. But there's a very important principle for us here. This hedge that was built about Job. What is a hedge? Well, the word that's translated hedge here in our Bible is the word suk. And suk literally means to entwine something, to shut something in. Something can be shut in for formation, for protection, or for restraint. In other words, you completely enclose and twine something either to keep something in from getting out, to restrain it where it is, or to protect it from anything outside getting to it. Job had a hedge built about him that was protecting him from Satan getting to him. Now, when that hedge was in place, Satan couldn't touch him. But when that hedge was removed... Satan could get to anything that wasn't within that hedge. In this case, he opened up everything else except Job himself, but he still had that hedge around Job. Oh, you can touch everything this man's got, but you can't touch him himself. A term that we often use is the word fence. You know, I guess growing up, sometimes one of my chores was not only to mow the grass, but to trim the hedge. That was because what we used as a hedge that entwined that end was, was hedge bushes, a whole row of, of bushes. And you can drive out into the countryside and you can see them everywhere. You see, first of all, I mentioned to you last week that a hedge speaks of possession, of owning something. Here in in Matthew chapter 21, where we read our other passage from, notice what it said there in verse 33. Here another parable, there was a certain householder which planted a vineyard and did what? And hedged it round about and digged a wine press in it and built a tower and let it out to a husbandman and went into a far country. There's a couple of things that that speaks of us to that. First of all, possession. A certain man had this property. It was his. He owned it, and so therefore he hedged it in. I mentioned to you last week, you'd probably think that something was really strange about your neighbor if he suddenly came to your house and started building a fence around your property instead of his own. You think, what is wrong with this guy out there? You don't hedge something in 
that is not yours. You don't hedge other people's things in. You hedge that in which you own. God hedged Job in because Job was God's possession. And just as surely today, if you are a born-again child of God, you belong to God. You are his possession. It is he that will hedge you in against Satan. But it not only speaks of possession, it speaks of preciousness. It is something of value. I mean, you know, if it's an old field out there that is absolutely, it's just mud and stone and rock and nothing will ever grow in it, it's absolutely worthless. You can't even build on it. You're not going to worry about putting a hedge around it. You're not going to care what happens to it. You hedge something in because it is something that you have that is valuable to you. It is your possession. It is precious to you. All you need to realize today, (laughs) you were so precious to God that he was willing What more, how do you want him to show you how much that he loves you when he sent his own son to be ridiculed, to be beaten, to be nailed to a cross, to die in shame before man for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You see, a hedge is something that is built because it's to protect something that you possess, something that is precious to you. It speaks of possession. It speaks of preciousness. It speaks of protectiveness. In both of these cases, the hedge was protecting Job. Job belonged to God. Job was precious to God, and therefore God built this hedge to protect him. We find that the same thing in our reading in Matthew, the vineyard was hedged in. We'll see some other reasons for that, but for these very same reasons, again, the husbandman, the one that owned it, was the one that hedged it in. So we find that, first of all, you know, you can really build a hedge out of all kinds of things. I could, I, I could hedge you in right there, Andrew, just by closing you in to where you can't get out. You're hedged in. Maybe it's to keep all these other people from getting to you, you know. Maybe it's because you're just too special, you know. We don't want anything to happen to you. But the thing is, what I want you to realize is that a hedge is something that somebody has to build. And when a hedge is built, it's built for a reason. So if we think about a hedge and we understand that a hedge, a fence, a wall, you know, is something that is being put there, why? Well, we think of the hedge, I want you to think of that which is hedged, that which you're hedging in. And really, for something to be hedged, I believe we could put in some of its simplest terms, is to be set apart or separated. It's set apart from something else. Why is there a fence around your garden? It sets it apart, it separates it from your neighbor's gardens. We find that... When God hedges someone, he sets them apart. He separates them. Lamentations 3, 7 says, He hath hedged me about that I cannot get out. Jeremiah 
He's saying, God has hedged me about and I cannot get out. Now, there's a, a whole lot of truths there, but I want you to realize something. You know, when God puts a hedge around you and protects you, it is to protect you from, in Job's case, Satan being able to get to him. But Jeremiah's talking about, I'm hedged in and I cannot get out. You know, when you become a child of God, you can't be unborn. <laughs> you can't suddenly not become a child of God. God hedges you in. He separates you. He sets you apart from the world. You are a child of God. Now, as we read this morning, you can be disobedient. You can disobey God. But God says if you're not willing to look at yourself and, and be willing to deal with whatever is wrong with you yourself, then he will chasten you if you belong to him. God loves you. But when God builds a hedge, when you become God's and he builds this hedge around you, it is there to set you apart, to separate you from the world. You see, all the world is Satan's. <laughs> this world that we live in right now, he is the prince of this world. All those things out there that sometimes want to attract us and want to draw us in, we can see so many examples in Scripture just remember, you belong to God. God has set you apart. He has separated you so that you don't have to be tainted by all those other things. You're not the same as the world anymore. You don't do the same things. You don't act the same way. You've been set apart. God has hedged you in. Why did he hedge the vineyard in there in Matthew? For fruitfulness. Because he wanted to grow the fruit. And so it was, you know, this was his. And within that fence, he took care of it and he cultivated it. And he did all those things that it might be fruitful at the same time that it was protecting from the elements on the outside that might destroy it. Sometimes, sometimes in order for something to be fruitful, it does take a little purging. You know, we, we ask ourselves, sometimes it's hard for us to to grasp, we think of some of these simple truths like all things working together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to, to his purpose, and yet we say, boy, everything don't seem to be going real good in my life right now. Then we think, you know, how could something good come from this? Well, you know, God would not allow anything into your life. Satan could not do anything in Job's life except what God allowed he was the one that built the hedge, and he built that hedge around Job to separate him, and it protected him from against anything. Satan could not get to him. And even when God went so far as to remove that hedge from his possession, he still couldn't get Job. Just like Jeremiah, he was hedged in and he couldn't get out. Satan couldn't get in. In the Gospel of John chapter 15, we find that sometimes in order for something to be fruitful, sometimes it's got to be purged. Sometimes it's got to be cleaned in order to bring forth more fruit. In John chapter 15, notice he says, first of all, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. 
that ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. How are we purged? How are we clean? By God's word. That's what will cleanse us. That's what will take away the impurities, the things that would hinder our unfruitfulness. Notice he goes on, he says, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. People want to start doing their own thing. I'll guarantee you. There's not a vine out there anywhere that you can't go along. You can look at that. What does he say here? The branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. You start cutting those branches off of the vine, they're not going to bear fruit. They're going to wither up and they're going to die. It's like the illustration of the coals on the fire. And when they're all on there together, it's hot and the flame is hot and it's burning. But you take one coal away and set it off by itself. These, while they remain hot together, that one will, the, the glow will just go down and down and down until it completely diminishes. Jesus said here, hey, your life cannot be fruitful unless you're operating in me. You're connected to me. You're being nourished by me. It's me that's putting that lifeblood for you. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. We find that <laughs> that's an awful sight. In other words, if you're not producing anything, you're worthless. You're absolutely worthless. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. Simply saying, you see, God puts a hedge around you and you become his. And the only way that you'll ever be fruitful, part of the reason that he hedges you is to set you apart and that your life might be fruitful to keep you, to protect you from all those things that would make you unfruitful, that would separate you from him, that would have you out there on your own, doing your own thing, not doing what he wants you to do. It's his desire to protect you from that. We find that when you're hedged in by God, it's not only for fruitfulness, but may I say it's for beauty. I don't want to get over graphic here, but this world has a pretty poor definition of beauty. It has a pretty poor idea of what real beauty really is. You see, I want to, you cannot, you will not. Now, I didn't grow up on a farm, but I grew up around farms and I had family and friends that had farms and I, I used to spend time on those farms sometimes. I can promise you, you cannot get out there with that pig and wallow with that pig in the mud and not get any on you. I can remember, you know, it took me a little getting used to just being able to walk through those barns and walk through those animals and we'd have those, those big high rubber boots on and man, the muck, you know, it just, everything just sticks. The world is far more mucky 
than anything you've ever seen on a farm or anything anywhere. You see, God wants to protect you, the dirt and the muck of this world. The world would have you believe that if you act certain ways and if you dress certain ways, that that inspires beauty and everybody's going to think you're beautiful and everybody's going to be attracted to you. But what it's really talking about is lust. It wants people to look at you for the wrong reasons. He wants people to be attracted to you for the wrong. Guys, girls, it doesn't matter. I'm talking to all of you. <laughs> the truth is, the world tells you that if you do these things, that you are beautiful, and yet God wants to protect you from them. You want to truly be beautiful? Let God protect you from all that muck and mire and filth of this world. Be protected from it. His Word will cleanse you. How much time do you spend in the Word? You know, again, I don't want to be over graphic, but you know, how often do you take a shower? How often do you take a bath to clean the world's dirt off of you? You know, I, I promise you, you know, I may still love you, but if you haven't had a bath in six months, I'm probably not going to want to get too near to you. I want to keep a little bit of distance, most likely. You can't clean off the dirt without something to cleanse it with. Your body... You use soap and water to clean it off. He says, my word, that's the water that will cleanse the dirt of this world off. We find that today we need to consider if you belong to God, he's built a hedge. He has separated you from this world. And, of course, I want you to notice another example because this is important as we move on quickly here. The prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 5, I want you to notice what happens here. Isaiah chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, he says, Now will I sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. My well-beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill. And he fenced it. And gathered out the stones thereof and planted it with the choicest vine and built a tower in the midst of it and also made a wine press therein. And he looked that it should bring forth grapes and it brought forth wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, I pray you betwixt me and my vineyard. What? could have been done more to my vineyard that I have not done in it. Wherefore, when I looked that it should bring forth grapes, brought it forth wild grapes. And now go to. I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away the hedge thereof, and it shall be eaten up, and break down the wall thereof, and it shall be trodden down. And I will lay it waste. It shall not be pruned nor digged, but there shall come up briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no more upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. The men of Judah has pleasant plant, and he looked for judgment, but behold, oppression for righteousness, but behold, a cry. There's a lot of things, whole sermons could be preached right there. 
I want you just to notice in line with what we're looking at here, though, a couple of things. Again, this vineyard was fenced in so that it could bring forth fruit. In this case, it didn't bring forth what it was supposed to be brought forth. Some people kind of just expect it to happen on its own without the Lord. We find here that a very similar thing that happened in what we read in Matthew. Because what happened? God decided, well, I'm not going to protect it anymore. Here, it signified the nation of Israel. That's why the responsibility was passed to you and I as the Gentiles today. Every human being comes to God the same way through the sacrificial death of the Lord Jesus Christ, no matter what nation he comes from. But God used the nation of Israel. That was his mouthpiece. That was his people. That's what he worked through to the whole world. Now he uses his church. And that church is made up of whoever will put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. But that vineyard in Matthew, the vineyard was destroyed. Somebody else was brought in. Here, when the fence is taken down, the vineyard is destroyed. You see, we need to recognize and realize that without the protection, without being set apart, without being hedged in, the dangers are very real. But God hedges you in for purpose. Do you ever get to feeling sometimes like, well, my life just doesn't really count for anything? Well, I'm not wanting you to start feeling proud and to feel like you're the greatest Christian that ever lived and God can't survive without you and you're doing more for God than anybody else. But I'm saying when you look at yourself and you don't really see your life accomplishing anything from the Lord, is that because you're trying to do your own thing rather than letting God do through you what he wants to? God to produce that fruit. You see, God promises, he promises that he'll produce fruit through you. If you, as a branch, are connected to the vine, there will be fruit. We find that the Bible speaks often of hedges, of fences that are built around us, that sets us apart and separates us from this world. God does that because we are his possession and we are precious to him and he wants to protect us. God hedges us in that we might be fruitful and bear forth fruit for him, for his glory. We find that it is God himself because the hedge is there to separate. The hedged that is within, that is hedged in is that that is being protected, but there is the hedger. There is the one that builds the hedge. Someone must put up the hedge. Back in the book of Job, if you turn over just a page or two in your Bible to Job chapter 3, notice what he says in verse 23. Why is light given to a man whose way is hid and whom God hath Hedged in. We can talk a lot about the light, but I want you that second part of that question. Who's done the hedging? Who's the hedger? Whom God himself has hedged in. It's only the hedge of God that is going to separate you from the world. You can try to protect all you want. 
I've shared with you many times the illustration that, you know, so many times we want to put up all the protection that we can for those that we love, for those that we care for, for our wives or our husbands and our children. You know, there's nothing quite as protective as that force of, of a parent over their child. If you're God's child, he wants to protect you. The problem is this. It's natural for me to try to protect my children, to do all that I can. But in the end, God's the only one that can truly protect them. Now, he uses the parents, doesn't he? And this is what I want you to understand. Only God can put that hedge around you when you become his child. And Satan can't get through it. And the world can't get through it. And the muck of the world can't get through it. And it's there within that hedge that you can be fruitful and your life can produce that which will glorify God. It's there within that hedge that you can truly be beautiful beyond measure, beyond words, rather than stooping to the lows of this world of while they define beauty. It's there. It's there that God wants you. It's there that God will build that hedge. But God uses people. God uses things. God uses his word. God uses your heart, your prayer life. He uses many things. And part of my emphasis last week that hopefully he uses us as a church to help in building a hedge around all these children that are back there in children's church right now using the Word of God, using prayer over them, using our love for them to help build that hedge of protection around them that their lives can be fruitful. Yes, because we care, because they're precious to us. But I want you to grasp that today. God has an ultimate purpose in every one of your lives. Job Chapter 42, we read the first verses of how this all began. Let me give you this in closing this morning. In Job chapter 42, verse 10, And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then came there unto him all his brethren and all his sisters and all they that had been of his acquaintance before and did eat bread with him in his house and they bemoaned him and comforted him over all the evil that the Lord had brought upon him. Every man also gave him a piece of money and every one an earring of gold. So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. For he had 14,000 sheep and 6,000 camels and a 1,000 yoke of oxen and a 1,000 she-asses. He had also seven sons and three daughters. And he called the name of the first Jemima and the name of the second Keziah, the name of the third Karen Hapak. And in all the land were no women found so fair as the daughters of Job. And their father gave them inheritance among their brethren. And this... Lived Job and husband a hundred and forty years and saw his sons and his sons' sons even four generations. So Job died being old and full of days. You read right through the book of Job. 
Man, did he go through some tough times. And there, things got so bad at one point that he even cursed the day that he was born. <laughs> Why was I even born into this world? But we find that even when all else came down and everybody else was advising him and everybody else thought all these things that God was doing to him because Job had done some horrible, evil thing, you know that you and I today, every believer that's had God's preserved word down through the centuries, Job's life has touched each and every one of them. Job has been an encouragement when others are, are in those battles and they feel like that they've lost everything and that they have nothing to live for. Maybe as him would curse the day that they were even born. But God had a hedge about him. When everything that came, when it came down to it, Satan, the most powerful force against you, couldn't get to Job himself because God was the one that built that hedge, that put that fence around him because he loved him and he set him apart and he protected him and he wanted him to be fruitful today. Has God put the hedge around your life? You see, I want to ask you a couple of questions in closing this morning. I don't care how religious you've been. I don't care what religious things you've done. I don't care how many times, if you're chalking up every time that you go to church and every time that you do all these good things for God, forget it all. Erase the board. This morning, I want to ask you not if you've thought about all the good things you've done and the religious things you've done, but have you thought about the one sin you committed? I mean, you're such a good person, there's only maybe one in your whole life. One time that you thought a wrong thought or you, you did something wrong, but the wages of sin, sin, S-I-N, is death. There is no other payment for it. There is nowhere else that can take you. I've reminded folks here at Bethel time and time again, if you were the best that ever was and your sin was the smallest that's ever been committed and there was only one of them, if God allowed you into heaven with that one itsy-bitsy tiny sin, heaven would be destroyed because when sin came, death came with it. The wages of sin is death. Heaven can only exist because there is no sin. And today, Instead of thinking about all the good that you've done, have you thought about that one sin or the many sins and recognize that there is no route that that can take you except to death. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Today, that one sin or the thousands of sins through the sacrifice of Jesus, they can be forgiven. But get your eyes off of everybody else's wrong and all of your goods. Look only at yours and recognize God loved you so much. He died to take care of those for you. God is the only one that can build a hedge that will matter about you. And the only way you get that hedge is when he possesses you, when you belong to him. Today, do you truly belong to God? And if you belong to God and he has hedged you in, then I'm saying to you today, 
you know, recognize and realize who you are, why God has put it there. He tells you. When it comes down to your being cleansed, of your being fruitful, all of those things can come from him through his word. You can be all those things today. If there is sin in your life, it is because it is your choice. It is your choice that has allowed them to be there. Don't try to excuse them. Don't try to put them away. Recognize they will kill you. They are deadly, whatever that sin is. But God's the cure. He's got that cure for you through Jesus Christ. Today, you don't have to fear Satan. You don't have to fear the world. And I can promise you, all things do work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Are you just out there mixed in with all the world running rampant today, or are you hedged in by God? Father, I realize, Lord, that this is a very, very simple thought. Lord, but it is such an important thought today. I pray that each one here would honestly ask themselves, Lord, is there a hedge about them to protect them from Satan, the one that is out for no other reason than to destroy them, that will try to tempt them and taint them with the things of this world, with the desires of the flesh, anything to destroy them? Do they know that they belong to you, Lord, and that as your possession, you're the one that can build that hedge about them to protect them? Satan from this world because you love them so much you're the one Lord that could put that hedge about them to where that their lives can be fruitful to where they can be a thing of true beauty not what the world defines as beauty but what you define as beauty I pray Lord I know there's so much your word is endless and in fact Lord because of that a sermon could be endless but Father, we have only so much time to be here this morning, so I pray that you'll use these simple thoughts to speak to the hearts. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here today that doesn't know Jesus Christ with absolute certainty, they'll forget about everything else. They'll forget about everybody else. They'll forget about whatever else that they think is important in this life, and they'll realize nothing is more important than getting that settled in their lives today. Speak to their hearts, Lord. I can't do that. I pray that you would do so, and I pray that they would not run from that which you speak, but that they would respond. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Mm-hmm.